Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today. We are here to worship our Lord, and we welcome everyone who has come to do that this morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Just put your name and address and phone number on there. And if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, be be sure to put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the activities uh, here at Community Baptist Church. And we have certainly had a lot of activities here at Community Baptist Church in recent recent days. Uh, and, I, and we have a lot coming up as well, which I want to draw to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me say that we will not be having a missions team today. Uh, uh, you deserve a day off, folks. <laughs> you, you deserve a day off. It's been a busy, busy time, and I think we have things under control right now. So uh, we had one scheduled for this afternoon, but we are not having that missions team day, uh, missions team meeting this afternoon. Uh, however, however, we have some things that are coming up. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be having our church picnic right here uh, after the worship service. Uh, weather pending, it'll probably be out in our shelter there, and our church will provide all of the meat for that. We'll be cooking out, and uh, if you would like to bring a, a side dish, you're welcome to do that. And we'll be having some games out there and music and just a lot of fun. And, and you know why we're doing this, folks? Just because. (laughs) Because it's a fun time of fellowship and and it's a fun time of just being together. And we need that sometimes. So uh, please plan on being here Sunday afternoon for our our picnic. Also on Saturday, this coming Saturday, uh, we're having a uh, choir workshop and retreat. And you don't have to be a member of the choir to, to be a part of that. If you're just interested in singing... And uh, just come and be a part of that. And that's Saturday, this coming Saturday. Tommy Tate will be leading this. And do you know what time it starts, Mark? 2.30. starts at 2.30 Saturday afternoon. So, uh, so if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, then come and be a part of that. Also coming up is our Highway 60 yard sale. Uh, that's on October the 2nd and the 3rd. Uh, there's a volunteer sheet on the table as you leave, and uh, so we'll need some volunteers to, to help run the show, and we're going to be having it right here in our space, uh, uh, right here. So we need some volunteers. We also need your stuff. Uh, we need your stuff to sell. So if you're cleaning out your closets or your garage and see some things that might be useful and, and uh, uh, sellable, then bring it here. There's a, a room right back uh, behind this wall that you can place your, your things, and we will put it in our yard sale for, for sale. Um, and, Sybil, I think you have an announcement for our upward. Upward basketball started yesterday. Thank you to everybody who came and volunteered yesterday. It was a really good day. Um, thank you to those who contributed scholarships for the upward uh, children. We do have all the money we need to pay for all the uniforms. So thank you. We are still needing greeters, concession stand workers, scorekeepers for next week and the next few weeks. So if you would like to sign up to work in the concession stand, greet the children as they come in out the front door, keep score, get in touch with me or Mary Rye or Christine Cornelius. Thank you. Thank you, Sybil. She stole my thunder just a little bit there because uh, at at this point I wanted to offer some thank yous as well because, you know, this past weekend uh, we've been really stretched for our our volunteers, with our volunteers. Uh, Yesterday we we were especially stretched for our volunteers because we did have, have our opening day of Upward and it was an excellent start. I think we got off to a, a great beginning with our basketball and our cheerleading program. So thank you to all your volu- all the volunteers that were here for that. At the same time, on Friday and Saturday, we had our Sureway Barbecue Fundraiser. And uh, thank you so much for the volunteers that uh, participated in that. And so yesterday, it was all hands on deck, folks. You know, we had people at Sureway. We had people, people here. And, uh, and, and I really appreciate your um, 
uh, your willingness to serve in this way. And if you, if you know, traditionally at this time, uh, the Sunday after our Sherway barbecue, I am telling you folks that we have some leftovers back in our kitchen for sale for half price. And I'm here to tell you today that we don't have any leftovers. We sold out for the first time ever. <laughs> so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and also, before we move on with our service, let me say thank you to Heather McCormick uh, for being our, our guest pianist today. She's, she's stepping in at short notice. Uh, Jika's not feeling well, uh, and, uh, and we are grateful for Heather and, and what she, has, what she d- does uh, the, her musical contribution and other contributions to our uh, community is just outstanding. So we're grateful for your for your service. Yeah, I think that's worthwhile. Yeah. And and you know it's it, it's it's interesting that I'm saying all this about all this service. You know why? Because this whole worship service is about service. So. I, I think maybe I shouldn't even preach this sermon because it's about service today, but I'm going to. <laughs> but thank you for your service. Now let's stand and sing our song of gathering, 440, in the presence of the Lord. Let us pray together. Extravagant God, who gave all, even your life, without calculating the cost, your love is everywhere. You do not hold your love back to be admired from a distance, but you pour your precious gift out for us at a great price. Like perfume from an overturned bottle, it spills from your heart into ours. So may we love purely, dangerously, wildly, extravagantly, creating a scandal of grace. Let us love for love's sake, seeing each day as a chance to do some spontaneous, irrational, risky act of love in Christ's name, whose love is so amazing, so divine, whose love demands our souls, our lives, our all. Amen. Hello, I'm not Rachel. But if you will join with me in a responsive reading. We praise you, Almighty God, for sending your servant to us. Thank you, Lord, for your 
thank you for the servant's qualities of compassion, humility, and strength. The servant seeks justice for everyone. The servant relies on the leading of the Holy Spirit for guidance. We too want to rely on the Spirit to lead us as we follow God's will. Thank you for giving the servant a mission to be a light to the nations. Help us today to be a light to people everywhere, in our neighborhood, at work, at home, and all around the world. Our God, you supported the servant as he endured humiliation and physical pain. We ask you to support us also when life's trials threaten to overwhelm us. We praise you, O God, for the victory the servant found through suffering. Because of the servant's death, our sins are forgiven. Help us, we pray, to find victory in our difficult times. We praise you, O God, for the life, the death, and the victory of your servant. Amen. Mark 9, 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. They came, then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
sorry. How's everybody doing? Great. Everybody tired from being in school? It's almost fall back, fall break week. Um, when we were doing the responsive reading, we always kind of talk about these upstairs because so, sometimes it's hard to understand what they mean. Let's talk about this line right here. 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 Yeah. 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 Here we go. This says, help us today to be a light to people everywhere in our neighborhood, at work, at home, and all around the world. So that means we're all going to go get flashlights, flashlights, and we're going to go around the world and shine our light, right? Yeah. I cannot talk today. I know, Sarah, you don't have to call me out in front of everybody. <laughs> Does, no, I'm just kidding you. You know that. Does that. Is that what that means, that we're going to all go get lights and just go shine them everywhere around the world? Where are we this morning? We're in church. What's it mean to be a light of the world? How does God want us to be a light of the world? Oh, come on, you guys. We talk about this all the time. How can we, because we go to Sunday school, we are Christ-like, we are God's people, how can we be a light for the rest of the world? We're going to sit here all day until y'all start talking. <laughs> we talk about this every Sunday. Give me some examples of how you can be a light to the world. You can love other people. It's very simple, isn't it? You can love other people. Uh, you can be a good friend to someone. You can do something kind to help at home. Uh, you can stand up when we sing in church. Um, there's so many ways you all can be lights to the world and everybody around you. Let's pretend that this is the world. The, the, the earth is round, right? Okay, this is the whole world. Okay? And then let's pretend that... Are there people in the world? Okay, there's people in the world. And God takes care of all these people. So I think we're just going to sprinkle a little bit of salt because we are all people of the world, okay? And of course, there's people in here, and there's people here, and there's people here. And we all have to get along together. We all have to do things for each other. We have to be kind to each other. We have to be Christ-like to each other. But sometimes it just gets overwhelming. And sometimes there's somebody else besides God and God's son Jesus that tells us how to live. And that other being that tells us how to live is not quite what we need to be listening to. Have a seat for me. Who is that other being that tells us how to live? And he doesn't give very good directions sometimes. There's God and Jesus above us in heaven. Who else sometimes enters our mind? <laughs> that wasn't scripted and no it's not John Dunham that's just within our house Jake uh, who sometimes gives us very very bad things to think about and very bad things to do and evil thoughts who is it Sarah Satan or the devil hmm okay so what happens then in your life as you guys grow up, you're going to have the devil working on you sometimes. And we'll pretend like the devil is pepper. Okay? So I'm going to spread all the people out, and I'm going to put the devil right here. Kind of right there. All right, you see the devil in there? You guys, this exercise is to let you know that no matter how much the devil's working on you, that you can trust God to be with you everywhere. And you can wipe the devil away from you. Let's pretend like this is our loving God. Okay? Does that look like God? No. But God is with us everywhere. You know what? God is loving. He will help us get through every single bit of our life. So when we trust God to get us through life, 
all the people of the earth. If we take God and we trust God, look what happens to all these evil thoughts. You see them? God sucks up the evil thoughts. He takes away all the devil, all the black stuff. He takes away all the thoughts in our world. And he lives us a, He leaves us a nice, fresh, Christ-like world. So we just have to trust God that he's with us everywhere. Okay? You all can be lights of the world in everything you do. Let's go up to Children's Church. Thank you, dear Lord, for all that we are given and help us to always be grateful and to be as generous as we can with what we are given. Lord, help us not to take any blessing for granted and teach us to love others and to not judge them as Jesus taught us. We know, Lord, that you don't expect perfection in us. You expect honesty. So when we look in the mirror in the morning, Lord, help us to do that, to see our need for you. Help us to come as we are and help our church to tell all who come here that they are to come as they are. We're all broken and in need of forgiveness. No one's any better than anyone else. We're all sinners, Lord. And your grace is beyond all our imagination. Lord, we know that the church is not the building. It's what's inside of the heart of every member. So help our church be accepting and open like you were of all. Let us take a deep breath and know that we are loved each and every day. Guide us in the way you would have us to go. And let us always remember we're loved and your mercy covers all our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.
blessing this choir is. Many of you may know that a quick way to start a fight among sports fans is to ask this question, who is the greatest? In whatever particular sport it may be, you ask that question, you're bound to get some disagreements. For example, since it's football season, who is the greatest quarterback? Is it Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Or among golfers, you might ask, how would Jack Nicholas have done against Tiger Woods? Or a few years back, how about Magic Johnson or Larry Bird? I, I was recently reading about a, a Larry Bird fan named uh, Eric Torby who really, really, really admired Larry Bird. In fact, uh, he admired him so much that in 2005, when Torpy was being sentenced to 30 years in prison for armed robbery and murder and attempted murder, he said to the judge, why not make it 33? <laughs> and the reason he wanted to add three more years to, to his sentence was that 33 was Larry Bird's number on his jersey. And amazingly enough, the judge granted his request and gave him 33 years. <laughs> you know, some sports fans are just really and truly fanatics. And one thing that they are fanatic about is who is the greatest in any particular sport. Some of you, some of you may remember a soccer player named Pele. Pele was a wonderful, great soccer player, and he was a soccer player in a time when soccer was not that popular here in the United States. 
And, and whether Pele was the greatest international sports star of all time, that's a matter of conjecture. But he was an amazing sports celebrity. In fact, Pele was such an internationally acclaimed soccer star that they even stopped a war for him. Did you know that? When Nigeria and Biafra were at war with one another, Pele needed to travel from Nigeria to Biafra so that he could play in a soccer game. So what did these two countries do? They stopped fighting so that Pele could safely travel between these two countries, and the war stayed stopped until the two opposing armies could escort Pele safely out of the war zone. How about that for influence, folks? I would have to say that on, the, on any sports greatness scale, Pele stands pretty tall. But here in America, there are those who would contend that Michael Jordan was the greatest athlete of all time. And in the golden age of the NBA, there was a, a television campaign built solely around Michael Jordan and the dreams of little boys to be like Mike. You remember that? And some of you are probably, probably already upset with me because I haven't named your favorite sports star yet. Uh, some of you may be hockey fans. I don't know. I, I heard that, that the Edmonton Oilers coach, Ted Green, got word that player Sean Van Allen had suffered a concussion and couldn't remember who he was. And so Coach Green said, tell him he's Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Gretzky, of course, being the greatest hockey player of his time. Now, the point of all this is to say that seeking to be number one is very common. And it always has been from the beginning of time. It's as old as Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers. And this, and this drive to be recognized as the greatest even affected Jesus' disciples. Jesus and his disciples were passing through Galilee, heading towards Capernaum. And, and along the way, Jesus noticed that the disciples were bickering with one another. And so when they got to Capernaum, Jesus asked them what they had been arguing about. And they kept quiet because they were ashamed to admit, to confess that they had been arguing among one another about who among them would be the greatest. Who among them was the greatest? The fact is that matters of rank are important in any organization. And so it's all, it was only natural for the disciples to be thinking about their status in Jesus' coming kingdom. And we might think that conversations like this might produce a migraine for the, for the master. <laughs> but they didn't. At least this one didn't, because he understood their feelings. He understood that this drive to be number one is a part of the human condition. It is who we are. And so he sat down, the scripture tells us, he sat down, which was the, the recognized position for a Jewish teacher. They would sit, and the disciples would sit around him to listen to his teachings. And he gathered his disciples around him and he began to teach them, if anyone wants to be first in God's kingdom, he said, that person must be willing to be the very last and the servant of all. Now I want you to notice that Jesus did not chastise them for wanting to be first. He was not condemning anyone for their desire to improve their position in life. <clears throat> and this is a criticism that's, that, sometimes, uh, uh, that has sometimes been thrown at Christianity, that we have counseled the, uh, the poor and the oppressed to be content with their lot in life and not cause trouble, and thus we have contributed to their lowly situation. But folks, I don't think that's what Jesus was teaching. And I believe it's a misunderstanding of Jesus' words to say that. Notice how this verse reads. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first 
must be the very last and the servant of all. In other words, Jesus is not saying to his disciples that it's wrong to want to be the greatest. What he is saying is that if you want to be first, if you want to be great, here is what you have to do. You have to be willing to serve. I don't think Jesus is condemning their ambition. In fact, I would say that ambition is an impulse given by God to help us better our lives. A person with no ambition is a drag on society. So I don't think that it's, that it's against Christian values to achieve a comfortable lifestyle for your family. As long as attaining that material success doesn't become your primary drive in life. You see, Jesus understands the drive to to live comfortably. And that kind of ambition is necessary to provide for yourself and to provide for your, for your loved ones. Author uh, Steve May tells about a working mother in the 1930s named Mildred Benson. It seems that uh, Benson's husband was terminally ill, and, and so to help provide for her family at a time when women did not often uh, work outside of the homes, she began to devote her spare time to a dream that she had, had nurtured for many, many years. You see, under the pen name of Carolyn Keene, she began to write mysteries for young girls. You may have heard of the main character of those novels, Nancy Drew. Benson was astonished by the impact that this resourceful, fictional character had on the lives of her readers. Many women all across the United States and all across the world found the inspiration to improve their lives because of Nancy's example in these, in these mysteries. Now, Benson's parents didn't think that she should, should do this. She, they didn't think she should write. Her father was convinced that she could never make a living at this. But she had a dream. And it was a lofty ambition for her, and she became internationally known. And, in, and, and through her example and through the, the words that she wrote, she improved the lives of so many young people and fulfilled her dream. So there's no shame in being ambitious as long as you don't abuse others while achieving your ambition. And as long as you balance that ambition for success with your love for God and your love for your neighbors. And that's probably the most important thing. And I think that's probably where we mess up when we do. We get those things out of balance. Our, our ambition in life needs to be balanced with our love for God and our love for our neighbors. And sometimes when that ambition takes on more priority than it should, our love for God and neighbors suffer. So Jesus, I don't think, was condemning his disciples for their ambition. Instead, he was making the point that greatness in his kingdom is not determined by status. Instead, it is determined by service. Jesus was saying to his disciples, if you want to be first, here's what you have to do. You must first learn to serve others. You know, if you, really, if you think about it, <clears throat> Jesus was actually conducting one of history's first success seminars. Because any business person will tell you that if you want to be number one in business, you need to have a reputation for service. Right? Business people? If you want to be number one in business, you need to get a reputation for service. When Thomas Watson Sr. started IBM, he laid out three core values for his company. Those values were excellent products and services, excellent customer service, and respect for the individual. In other words, Watson wanted IBM to be all about service. And I think that's, a good, that's good advice for anyone. 
If you want to move up in any field that you're a part of, learn how to serve. Now, there are two Greek words that can be used to denote this idea of service. And the one that Mark uses here is the word diakonos. Uh, This is the word that we get the word deacon from. Um, The other word is doulos, which is sometimes interpreted as slave. The word diakonos suggests the idea of someone who attends to the needs of others freely and willingly, which is in contrast to the word doulos, which refers to someone who serves under obligation or compulsion. And I believe this is an important distinction because I believe what Jesus is telling us is that we need to serve God and we need to serve others freely and joyfully out of a sense of love and not out of a sense of obligation. And I think it's interesting how Jesus made this point. He he set a child among his disciples, and, and taking that child into his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, that may not seem so unusual to you, but it's important for us to understand here that in both the Jewish and the Roman societies of that day, children were considered to be the least important human beings. And that may be odd for us to think about in our society because we, we place children on, in, in, in such a, por, a a position of importance, and we should, I think. But in the Jewish and the Roman society of Jesus' day, children were seen more as a drag on the, the family's economy, at least until they were able to, to uh, old enough to contribute something to the family coffers. And so it was very unusual for Jesus to take this child into his arms. And he said, to welcome or to show kindness to one of these little children in my name is the same as welcoming me, and not only me, but also my Father in heaven. It is this perspective that that dignifies the act of serving others. You see, God is not concerned with our titles or our positions of authority or our status in life. And God doesn't care if you are the CEO of a great organization or if you're the one who sweeps the floors. Titles don't impress God and titles don't qualify anyone to be great. According to what Jesus is teaching us here, what really qualifies someone for greatness is a willingness to serve. In God's kingdom, greatness equals service. I like how Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. interpreted this passage. He said, true greatness comes not by favoritism, but by fitness. That's your new definition of greatness. And by this definition, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve, he said. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. And if you have that, you can be a servant. Calvin Miller was in India when Mother Teresa died. And he said that he was so impressed by a Hindu city of 11 million people raising billboards in honor of this Christian nun, Mother Teresa, all over that vast poverty known as Calcutta. Miller says her sermons were not reputed to be all that great. But it it was her life that called for transformation and conversion. 
My friends, I hope as you look ahead to the rest of your life that you will determine to make this your legacy. Whatever else you leave behind, most importantly, seek to leave this world a better place because you have been here. What kind of legacy will you leave? Will people be blessed because you've been here? Will people remember you for the goodness you lived? You know what the, what the secret is to a great legacy? It is service. Service to your church. Service to your community. Service to little children, to young people. Service to the poor. Service to the lonely. Service to the elderly. It is service. A few years ago, there was a popular television show called The Weakest Link. You probably remember that. Uh, contestants were dismissed from this show when they were had lost with that humiliating phrase, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Well, Dr. Daniel Loy once proposed a more uplifting contest in, in a much more important game. He suggested, why not become the strongest link in a lineage that will change the world? A lineage that stretches all the way back to the day when Jesus held that little child in his arms and talked to us about service. Some of you will remember Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's. Dave, Dave's congenial face was a familiar sight to millions of people through his television commercials. And Dave also appeared in, in training films for Wendy's employees. He had a unique ability to identify with his employees. Because you see, Dave was, was a humble man. He had a remarkable success story. He was adopted as a child. He never finished his high school education. He finally got his, his GED when he was about 65, I think. Um, and in his book, Well Done, The Common Guy's Guide to Everyday Success, Dave said that he got his MBA long before he got his GED. He says that he has a photograph of himself in his MBA graduation outfit. It is a snazzy, knee-length work apron. He claims to be the only founder among America's big corporations whose picture in the annual report shows him, shows him wielding a mop and a bucket. And that wasn't a gag. He calls it leading by example. You see, at Wendy's, he says, MBA does not stand for Masters of Business Administration. It means mop bucket attitude. <laughs> it means a commitment to service. And so Dave taught all of his employees that service comes before success. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus was trying to teach each of us. You see, just like, G just like Dave, Jesus left a legacy of service for his followers. And he did that by wrapping a towel around his waist on the night when he was betrayed and washing his disciples' feet. Even the one who would betray him. And he did it by stopping his busy schedule to pay attention to a blind beggar or a leper or a poor woman or a child. And he taught his disciples to serve by his example. And so here's the question that we must consider for ourselves this morning. How successful are we in the area of service? Philip Yancey wrote these words in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew. He said, you can gauge the size of a ship that has passed by the wake it has left behind. What kind of wake will you leave behind? Will the water ripple at all because you've been here? 
The word is service. The impact you make, the ripples that you make. Service to your church, service to your community, service to all who need it. Are you using your time, your treasure, and your talents to help others? Are you becoming successful in God's kingdom by serving others? That's what Jesus is calling us to in our lives. To be a success in God's kingdom requires service. I listed off a whole liturgy of things at the beginning of the service, things that you are doing to serve. And so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, when I preach this sermon. Because you are such wonderful servants. And I stand before you here today to say thank you. Thank you for your great service to God and to God's kingdom. Amen. Now let us sing together our closing hymn with great enthusiasm and joy. Speak to my heart. Number 281. Speaking of service today, we could use your help after the service, <laughs> moving, stacking chairs. We have, we have uh, upward this weekend, and we're grateful for your service. Let us pray together. Together we have worshipped, and together we stand, ready to serve. May we be rooted in the Word of God, and may we blossom with faith and with good works. May we delight in the presence of the Lord, and may the Lord take delight in us. Amen. Right, right.